This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with startling video of mall security taking down a bottle picker outside a mall in Victoria. Witnesses have one version of what started the confrontation, but as Richard Zussman reports, the security company says what was caught on camera doesn't tell the whole story. And a warning, some of you may find the video hard to watch. For Christy Westendorp, it was supposed to be a quiet afternoon outdoors with her kids. And then this. Why? Why? Why are you doing this? Why? Westendorp pulling out her phone to capture two security guards taking down one young man who was at the Uptown Mall collecting cans. My heart was going. I was shaking, but I just felt like it was really important that people see this incident occur. Hey, no, I did it! No, what the video, now watched more than 100,000 times online, doesn't capture is what led to the incident. It's those moments that Saanich police are now investigating. Immediately grabbed him by the back of the collar of his shirt, you know, and it was restraining him by the neck. And then he was trying to get away and things ended up on the ground. According to both the general manager of Uptown Mall and the security company, the young man spat in the face of one of the security guards before the incident started unfolding right here and the recording started. Yeah, unfortunately, we had an incident that occurred with a gentleman that has been legally banned from the site, and he assaulted one of our guards. Can I get one of you lovely people that's filming to call 911 for us, please? The security company involved, Guard Tech, has released a statement apologizing to the people who had to witness the incident, adding, although things escalated, incidents like this are very rare, and we work extremely hard to avoid those unfortunate circumstances. He asked to get up. But Westendorp insists that even if the young man did spit in the guard's face, she feels there were other options. To me, there were other ways this could have been dealt with that didn't involve anyone getting injured or traumatized from viewing violence. <laughs> Westendorp says she has spoken to the young man in the video, and he says he suffered cuts to his back, face, and a concussion. Richard Zussman, Global News. Now to a fatal shooting in East Vancouver. The victim, identified as 28-year-old Matthew Navis Rivas, gunned down early yesterday evening in front of an elementary school. Jill Bennett has more on what we know about Navis Rivas and what police need from the public. Jill. Chris, police are still here photographing evidence in the grass in front of that elementary school. We know the victim was spending time in jail in 2013 for involvement in a home invasion. We know he was arrested as recently as January, but police still need the public's help in figuring out who shot him last night. Still light out, this was the scene outside a school in a residential neighborhood. Paramedics working on a man who had just been shot while out walking his dog with his girlfriend. I just opened the door and I look and he says, she said, call 911. It was at least eight or nine and could have possibly been more, just like loud bangs. Vancouver police spent hours combing the crime scene and surrounding area. More than a dozen evidence markers on the ground. The victim has been identified and is well known to police. 
Vancouver police have identified the city's 12th homicide victim as a 28-year-old Vancouver resident, Matthew Navis Rivas. Uh-huh. Navis Rivas was one of two men arrested in January on 39 gun charges in connection with the VPD organized crime section investigation. Police say at this point there is no further threat to public safety. Retaliation is always a, a possibility for sure. Um, with this specific incident, we believe based on the information we've collected, this was a targeted incident. Still, residents say they are shaken after hearing the shots and hearing of the homicide. It's scary. Very scary. It's not that nice, especially not right in front of my house. Pretty overwhelmed um, and concerned, deeply concerned for whoever might have been affected. I know that this is a school. As the investigation continues, police are asking for dash cam video from anyone who was in the area around the time of the shooting. And that dash cam video, police are saying from 7.30 to 8.30, even if someone doesn't think the information they have is important, they would like to see it. Uh, one other connection, Navis Rivas is the brother of the former foster child child of Mayor Gregor Robertson and his wife at the time back in 2009. Uh, Navis Rivas's brother, the former foster child, was at the police station today. However, he didn't want to talk about the case. Chris? All right, thanks for the update. Jill Bennett reporting for us. Friends of a seven-year-old girl murdered in Langley are rallying around her family. A GoFundMe campaign has now been set up to raise money for Aaliyah Rosa's father. Friends say Aaliyah was the love of her father's life. The body of the young girl was removed from a condo building near 200th Street and 68th Avenue on Monday night. A 36-year-old woman involved in the investigation is under medical care. Police would like to speak with anyone who may have seen Aaliyah on Sunday. A serious accident in Surrey today is a stark reminder of the dangers of distracted driving, according to witnesses who saw it. A number of people were injured, one seriously, and Catherine Urquhart reports on how bystanders jumped in to help. Inside this SUV, a 60-year-old woman with traumatic injuries, including compound fractures. Firefighters needed to use the jaws of life to get her out. Her southbound vehicle struck by this northbound white Volkswagen, which witnesses say crossed the center line along 176th Street in Surrey. The car was coming and it looked like he was, there was just four lanes of traffic going this way and he just went right over and hit the lady going this way. Distracted driving is believed to have played a role. One witness telling Global News the driver of the Volkswagen was on his phone just before the crash. These fellows in this white car slowly rolled into the intersection on the red light and I screamed at them, get off your effing phone, because I could see he was texting. He did not look up. It turned green, he sped up, and all of a sudden I saw him going into the other lane and I was, all, I was yelling things I'm not going to say on TV and uh, he hit her. While distracted driving is not yet confirmed to be the cause, it is the number one killer on BC roads, taking about 78 lives every year. In a distracted driving um, collision where it's suspected that distracted driving was a factor, they would be looking um, for all available evidence, including cell phone evidence, witnesses, um, cameras, dash cameras, cameras that would be available in the area. Both men who were in the Volkswagen were hospitalized with minor injuries. As for the woman, she was rushed to hospital by air ambulance. The full extent of her injuries still unclear.
Catherine Urquhart, Global News. If you take public transit, say goodbye to zone-based fares. The Mayor's Council giving TransLink the go-ahead today to start developing a new payment model. Our Nadia Stewart is live with the details on that. Nadia, they are talking now about distance-based fares on SkyTrain, CBUS and Canada Line. That's right, charging people based on the number of kilometers they travel. So what passengers would see is a gradual increase as they move from one region of the one, one zone to the next rather than the current jumps that they see from one zone to the next. So the maximum fare a passenger could be charged will be the same as it is now under the three-zone model. TransLink estimates about two-thirds of people will pay the same as they do now. Passengers who take frequent short trips across zone boundaries and CBUS passengers should, in the end, pay less, while those who take long trips within a current zone would pay more. Now, we heard from TransLink CEO Kevin Desmond and some passengers, and not all of them are in favor of this new change. Uh, the distance-based fares that, that uh, have been recommended as part of the program, um, I think will long-term um, help the system. Um, certainly the unfairness of people that are traveling in short distances between two, in effect, arbitrary uh, zone boundaries, eliminating that makes a lot of sense. Well, now the wait is for the date when this new change will be phased in. We'll be hearing from TransLink in the weeks and months to come about when this change will be on its way. Back to you. All right, Nadia Stewart reporting. Nadia, thank you. New details tonight on the future of the new Patello Bridge and how the province's new community benefits agreement will affect that project and many other projects going forward. Ted Trenecki explains how much more the agreement will end up costing taxpayers and why, despite the expected increases, the province defends its decision. All those big projects big government keeps talking about, be it a new crossing to replace the Massey Tunnel, the SkyTrain Broadway extension to Arbutus, light rail transit Surrey to Langley, or the Patello Bridge, they all just went up in price. You, the taxpayer, will be paying anywhere from 2 to $4 billion more. Thanks to that announcement 10 days ago that was short on details. Well, today we got a better look at the so-called Community Benefits Agreement, though our cameras were not allowed inside for what was described as a technical briefing. Everybody in B.C. should be concerned when the NDP are signing deals with their friends to make winners and losers in the labour market. This is just not fair to the people of British Columbia that they are picking their union buddies and only providing them with work. Online now is a 336-page document outlining how every construction worker who wants to build taxpayer-funded infrastructure in B.C. must join an NDP-approved union. It is going to be a force that you have to join their, their uh, council uh, and their unions and their employer. Uh, so essentially, you've got to bring the labor force and then you've got to give them up to somebody else. There are 250,000 men and women who got up this morning and went to work on a construction project. 85% of them are not affiliated with building trades unions. This is a deal for the building trades unions, and it's not fair. Critics project labor costs will soar. The $25.6 billion to be spent in the next few years will be $4.8 billion more, according to the ICBA, or $4,000 per BC family. Just the Patello Bridge will cost $130 to $259 million more, according to the Christian Labor Association of Canada. This new agreement also calls for an automatic 2% wage increase every year for six and a half years. Where did that come from? Who's asking for that? This is a sweetheart deal with their union buddies, and it cannot be acceptable to British Columbians. The province admits costs will go up, but say the benefits of labor peace will more than compensate. Ted Chernacki, Global News. 
Well, Ottawa's purchase of the Trans Mountain Pipeline is facing another possible hurdle tonight. Sealing the deal may hinge on approval from U.S. President Donald Trump. Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria to explain that one for us. Keith? Yeah, this sort of came out of left field, Sophie. So the final purchase agreement between Canada and Kinder Morgan has now been made public. It includes a reference in there, I think it's on page 78, that the whole deal must be uh, approved by what's called the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which has to sign off on anything that's deemed possibly in, uh, in affecting national security. The reason is this pipeline doesn't go just from uh, Edmonton to Burnaby. It also includes a spur pipeline, as you can see on this map, down at Anacortes and Ferndale. Because that pipeline now goes goes to the United States, this federal body, which is chaired by a Donald Trump appointee, his Treasury Secretary, must sign off on approval. So it raises the specter of some potential trouble. However, we caught up with Alberta Premier Rachel Notley, and she's not worried. She thinks they're going along quite swimmingly when it comes to negotiations. The feedback that we're getting and the advice that we're getting is that everything is moving along uh, more or less as, as well as can be expected. We have a, a very engaged uh, and in, uh, integrated energy economy uh, with the United States. Uh, it is one of those parts of the, uh, of the relationship between the two jurisdictions that, frankly, it is very difficult to, to go at one piece and not have implications for another, uh, and, and they cross border very much. I also talked to a senior official in federal finance, Mr. Bill Morneau's office today. They're not worried either, but everybody admits, hey, you're dealing with Donald Trump here. He's Mr. Unpredictable, so who knows what could happen on this file. All right, thanks for that, Keith. Not super comfortable with that. <laughs> No. All right. Right now, actor Seth Rogen has never been shy about talking about growing up in Vancouver, telling one interviewer it's where more than half his style comes from. Well, now you'll hear Rogen's distinctive voice throughout Metro Vancouver whenever you take public transit. Aaron MacArthur reports. The next station is Broadway City Hall. Move over, SkyTrain voice. There's a new guy in town. <laughs> Seth Rogen is now the voice we will all hear, reminding us to literally pick up our feet. So get those feet off the seat. My mom might be sitting there one day. Come on. Fantastic. Amazing. Like Thank it. you. Seems like a good choice to me. Even the current voice of the Sky Train thinks it's a great idea. Lorene Regan doesn't mind sharing the stage. I think it is so fun that they're bringing in this unique individual to really enhance the experience for the riders. Seth Rogen became the voice of SkyTrain almost by accident. Good news, Vancouver. Earlier this year, Visa announced Morgan Freeman was going to be a presence on board the transit system. Starting today. And then he wasn't. Allegations of misconduct surface, and he was dumped. Social media then erupted with suggestions as to who should replace him. The consensus was Rogan. A few tweets back and forth, and voila, a perfect fit. He wrote much of the, the copy. This isn't stuff that we just gave him, and he just spent some time just mouthing what we said. He actually spent time uh, thinking about what the messages are and thinking about doing it in, in a fun way. When the opportunity came up to uh, be a voice on public transportation, I was, I was thrilled. Rogan is not replacing Regan, just adding to her announcements. The next station is Rupert. Seth doing all of this at no cost to taxpayers, Expect to hear his homegrown talents on a SkyTrain car soon. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Ridership is going to skyrocket. <laughs>
Seth Rogen will be on the Simi Sarah show tomorrow on CKNW. You can have a listen at 11.42 in the morning for that. Both point gray grads, apparently, so <laughs> they can commiserate a little. Well, it'll be a bit quieter at many Vancouver City fitness centers and indoor swimming pools soon. From now on, the sound of people running and weights clanking will be the only sounds at several city gyms. Vancouver is turning off the music at 15 fitness centers and at least two indoor pools. The city says a number of people were complaining about the choices of music and the volume. I think the most important thing is that we're trying to create a safe space, a welcoming space, and an inclusive space. And those people who have hearing impairments can't come in and feel comfortable in a fitness center or even a pool. While reaction to the decision might be mixed, many of those we spoke with today didn't really care because they were listening to their own music or watching TV. More tonight on that townhouse owner in North Vancouver blatantly and unapologetically flouting both strata and city bylaws. She's renting out her unit online, listed as a hostel with 15 beds. But despite the fines and orders to shut down, she tells our John Hua she has no such plans. It's pretty clear North Vancouver's Oasis house is open for business. We just want peace. No one bought in here to have a flop house. Technically, this townhouse is being advertised as a 15-bed hostel, despite being in clear violation of the strata bylaws. I cannot stop what I do because of a few other people have problem with it. Meet the owner, Emily Yu, who says she's not doing anything wrong by offering short-term accommodations. And that grandfather in class applied to me, I can exempt from the bylaw. According to experts, she's wrong. There is no grandfathering. You don't get exempted. And so, you know, it's going to be a reality check for this individual. But the reality is you has already been ordered by the Civil Resolution Tribunal and B.C. Supreme Court to stop using her townhouse for short-term accommodations less than a six-month stay. Her answer, that's wrong too. At this time, Tribunal make the mistake. Strata residents are now faced with rising fees for a second time to take you back to court again. Yeah, it's, it's saddening for sure. Um, even if we wanted to sell our house now, you know, if she, if she does continue to do this forever, we can't. Now many will ask, why would a homeowner go to all of this trouble? Well, according to the city of North Vancouver, it likely comes down to the money. Now staff did an estimate, and they say at 14 beds with 50% occupancy, you stands to earn $118,000 a year. At 90% occupancy, that jumps up. To $212,000. How much does this earn you on a yearly basis? Uh, I think this is a confidential question. The city says you is violating its bylaws too. We met Mark Winter on Wednesday, her newest long-term tenant. You're here long-term, right? We got our own little suite downstairs. That basement suite with no windows, also not allowed. The thing is, uh, the basement suite was uh, selected by our tenant. The city of North Vancouver would not comment as this is now a legal matter. When asked if Strata fines up to $1,000 a day coming this fall could make her stop, Yu says she just won't pay. Finish? John Hua, Global News. Well, two Vernon women are recovering tonight from a frightening once-in-a-lifetime close call. They were enjoying a swim in their condo pool when the earth above them gave way. Global Okanagan's Kimberly Davidson tells us what happened. Cleanup is underway at the Mandalay condos in Vernon. 
a landslide filled the pool and surrounding area with mud, trees and boulders on Tuesday afternoon. Restoration crews working hard to clean up this muddy mess, shoveling mud and debris back into the swimming pool. Meanwhile, there's a hose over on the other end attached to a vacuum truck. They're sucking everything out of this muddy pool. Two women were caught up in the slide but suffered only minor injuries. One dove under the water as the debris came down, only to be pushed onto the pool deck by the force. I still don't know how she survived. Several other residents and guests had just left the pool area. And probably 10 minutes after we left, we just heard the crashing. The landslide rushing down the hill with such intensity that it actually embedded this outdoor chair into the side of the building. And that's normally where we sit on that lounger and Anybody on that end of the pool, I don't think we would have made it. Geotechnical and structural engineers investigated and determined an irrigation system up the hill either failed or was left on, saturating the ground. The city of Vernon says because public infrastructure wasn't damaged, this is now a private matter. While residents on the ground level of the terraced building spent one or two nights out of their homes, now everyone is back and hoping their property is safe. We gotta trust the professionals. You know, um, there's been so many here and like I said, they um, that's what their job is. Kimberly Davidson, Global News, Vernon. Car alarms shriek in Athens after a flash flood roared through two suburbs just three days after deadly wildfires killed dozens in Greece. The skies opened up today, turning streets into rivers, washing cars away, leaving them piled up and scattered around like toys. Firefighters were called out to rescue people stranded in their homes and cars, but at this point there are no reports of any fatalities. Now, the wildfire situation has settled down a bit here in B.C., but it's exactly the opposite south of the border, where at least 60 major wildfires are burning across 15 western states. In California, one fire has forced the closure of Yosemite National Park for the second day. Another blaze now ruled as arson, forcing the evacuation of an entire town. A cloud of smoke 50,000 feet high towered over the San Jacinto Mountains as the Cranston fire consumed thousands of acres, destroyed multiple homes, and forced more than 3,000 people to evacuate, all within a matter of hours. Emergency crews battled the fast-moving flames from the ground and the air. About 200 children from nearby summer camps were hastily evacuated to a nearby high school, some with nothing but a backpack and a box. We've still got a lot of work to do to get it contained. Lee Byers with the um, National Forest you know, Service. He so says the recent heat wave adds another layer of difficulty for firefighters. 105, 110 degrees down in the valleys, and it makes it really hard to stay hydrated. It's just physically draining. The fire was allegedly set by Brandon McGlover, who police arrested and charged with five counts of arson. For Buyer, who had to evacuate his own home, this news is particularly upsetting. People are, are being asked to grab pets and their personal belongings and leave on you know a 20 minute notice. To know that it was an intentional start is really frustrating. This is one of the five homes that was burned in this fire. According to Bayer, it could take up to five days for this fire to burn itself out. And as for that extreme heat in this area, it isn't expected to end until at the least Friday. Jamie Ukas, CBS News, Idlewild, California. 
Singer Michael Bublé and his wife, Luisana Lopilato, have a new addition to their growing family. Luisana posted a photo this morning on Instagram of their baby girl's tiny hand. Vida Amber Betty Bublé was born yesterday in Vancouver, weighing six pounds, one ounce. She is the couple's third child. They also have two sons, aged four and two. Bublé recently returned to the stage after taking a two-year hiatus during his eldest son's successful battle with cancer. Well, it was a concert of a lifetime for about 270 very lucky rock fans. McCartney returned to the birthplace of the Beatles with a free show at Liverpool's Cavern Club where the Fab Four played in their early years. The show was announced with no advance warning, so lucky fans getting tickets on a first-come, first-served basis. The nearly two-hour show featured a number of Beatles classics, along with songs from McCartney's upcoming album. In Health Matters tonight, a new viral video of a father and son dealing with serious health issues. That is New Jersey's Kenneth Thomas deciding to celebrate the release of his 15-month-old son, Christian, from hospital by busting a few moves. His son is obviously inspired and joins in. Christian has Down syndrome and is also fighting leukemia. The Instagram video has been viewed millions of times. Kenneth says he hopes it will help other families going through difficult times. Tom Cruise is back in his latest blockbuster action movie, Mission Impossible Fallout. I know what you're thinking. Maybe they're not here for you. Maybe they're just here for me. Are you willing to take that chance? Get ready for another adrenaline rush as Ethan Hunt tries to stop a nuclear attack by terrorists. Dana G joins us tomorrow on Global News Morning with her review. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, to say it's been a bad day for Facebook would be a bit of an understatement. The social media giant suffering the largest one-day loss in the history of the U.S. stock market. Tom Costello tells us why. The sell-off was staggering and unprecedented. Facebook losing $119 billion in market value today alone. The worst single day ever for a U.S. company after this profit warning from CEO Mark Zuckerberg. We're investing so much in security that it will significantly impact our profitability. Zuckerberg himself lost $15 billion in the sell-off, coming after two years of scandals and investigations. It seems as though you turned a blind, blind eye to this, correct? Congressman, I disagree with that assessment. From Russian election meddling and disinformation to the 87 million users whose private information was compromised by Cambridge Analytica. Now Facebook users are tightening their privacy settings and the number of daily users is dropping. So you could argue that there's a lot of rage out there against Facebook, but where do people go to express their rage? They go to Facebook and Instagram. Facebook insists it's making changes to address privacy and security, and it still dominates social media worldwide. From London to Berlin, the Vegas Strip to Tokyo, also owning Instagram, Messenger, and WhatsApp. Despite the stock sell-off today, it's only back to where it was in May. Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. That's a rattlesnake. Yep, it really is. This would freak a lot of people out. As you can hear, after the forecast, the swimming snake that wanted to come aboard.
<laughs> Not fun at all. No. There, was some, there were some uncomfortable people in the newsroom when we got our first look at that today. Okay, uh, who doesn't want to go for a dip when the weather's like this? Here's Yvonne Shell. Just not with a snake. Just not with a snake. Just not with a snake. No, no, exactly. Yes, uh, perfect if you're heading out, though. But keep in mind, temperatures continue to be very hot, uh, leading in towards the weekend and soaring with the heat warning that is in effect. The weather picture out there, there's a shot of English Bay. We're at 24 degrees with a southwesterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour out of the airport. 26 was the high. If you were by the water, away from the water today was into the low 30s. But with the humidex, most areas were feeling into the 30s. We'll still remain well above our average. Average for this time of the year of 22 degrees. Along the south coast today, inland sections with Port Alberni up to 35 degrees, Whistler topping out at 33, and Abbotsford at 30. 35 today for Soyuz and Prince George along the central interior at 29, and low 30s for inland sections across the north coast. This evening, though, we still have a bit of activity, and that's along the central interior and the northeastern corners of the province. A risk of a thunderstorm, and for tomorrow, the peace will also see the risk of a thunderstorm for the afternoon. Following areas in red, stretching into the northeastern corners, north coast, coastal section, or inland sections rather, and central coast inland sections included within the heat warning, where the temperatures will range still between 30 and up to 35 degrees, and the heat will continue for Sunday along the south coast. We'll likely see the peak of the temperatures, but still remaining very hot for interior sections, and that's Monday, Tuesday that we'll see the peak of the temperatures and then back into the low 30s for our Wednesday onwards. Along the coast tomorrow, the northern half with Prince Rupert up to 21 degrees. Inland sections will still get into the low 30s with Smithers up to 32 with the heat warning in effect. The Peace is the one area across the province that will see the risk of a thunderstorms and similar for the southeastern corners for areas near Castlegar and Cranbrook. Thompson, Okanagan tomorrow, still another warm one, but hotter for the latter half of the weekend and early next week. Whistler will come up to 33 degrees. Inland sections for the island tomorrow, once again, near Port Alberni, will be into the low 30s. Five-day forecast, continuing to see the heat. The peak of it will be on Sunday. A touch cooler as we get in towards our Tuesday. Tonight's weather window, a great shot taken yesterday from Prince Rupert from Joel Brown. Guys? Nice. Thank you, Yvonne. Great one. A Tennessee family on vacation in North Carolina learned the hard way that rattlesnakes are actually pretty good swimmers. Hey, oh my God! Uh, that's a rattlesnake. <laughs> Is it really? Wayne Robbins was out on a boat with his 14-year-old daughter and four of her friends. That would be the source of the screaming. <laughs> Although I bet if there were 14-year-old boys on there, they'd be screaming too. Oh, yeah. When the swimming rattler decided to take a break on the swim platform, Robbins was ready to whack it if it actually tried to slither all the way up, but it did eventually swim off. Yeah, maybe the nonstop screaming did it. <laughs> Hope so. Yikes. I'd be screaming. I'm not even afraid of snakes, and that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, it is a rattler. I like it. Yeah. You made a good point in the commercial break that Trevor Linden is irreplaceable. Yes. And in fact, he won't be replaced <laughs> with the Canucks, it sounds like. No, right. not, not anytime soon, that's mm-hmm. for sure. That's, that's one thing we have learned, that um, Trevor Linden will not be replaced as the team president. Basically, Jim Benning is now the big boss, reporting directly to ownership with no buffer in between. Trevor Linden and Francesco Aquilini have not agreed to interviews, but... Jim Benning and Mr. Green, the coach, did speak today. 24 hours later and still no real specific explanation from Canucks ownership on why Trevor Linden is no longer with the team. 
Francesco Aquilini, who's in New York for business, has only commented via Twitter, where he basically said Lyndon's philosophy didn't jive with the rest of the group. Today, GM Jim Benning and coach Travis Green commented via phone and basically said they don't know anything. I didn't really hear, um, you know, of any disagreements between the two of them. I know, like, you know, we all have ideas when we go into... You know, those ownership meetings, we'd have ideas and we'd run them through ownership and and talk to ownership about them. But I didn't really uh, know of any disagreements uh, while I was at the meetings. You know, everyone's surprised that it happened. Uh, you know, it's not up to Jim or myself to sit here and say what happened because we don't really know the specifics. Aquilini's decision not to speak at a press conference on such a major move is puzzling, to say the least. It leads to all sorts of speculation of a meddling ownership. But Jim Benning stands by his boss. He doesn't interfere with what we do. Like, he's, you know, he listens to us, he asks questions, and then he lets us do what we need to do. There have been rumblings that the Aquilini split with Linden was inevitable, and apparently it came to a head on Wednesday. Bottom line, Benning and Aquilini are on the same page, and it's full steam ahead for the rebuild. We signed some, some players um, July 1st, some free agents, to try to help out with, the, you know, support our young players. Uh, but, you know, as far as that's concerned, I think, you know, the ownership, and we've been on the same page with that. Very delayed global sports. Well, until next January, Alfonso Davies is XB9 Whitecap. He will finish the season with the team here before embarking on his career with Bayern Munich. The teenage sensation was back at practice today with the Whitecaps, getting ready for Saturday's game against Minnesota, which is at BC Place. But he says he and his entire family, especially mom, is over the moon about the transfer to one of the biggest clubs in the world. She's, she's proud. She's really proud. She's a proud mother right now. She's she's happy. I think her smile on her face is exactly like mine, big. And she's, her and my dad are really happy for me. They call me every day to say how proud they are. Are you forced to buy dinner for everybody now that you are a rich man? No, no, I'm not. No? Do you think it's his duty to buy the team dinner because he's rich now? Huh? Well, yes, I think before he leaves, he has to... Um, buy a good dinner for all of us. <laughs> all right, Canadian Open means a lot of Canadians. Adam Hadwin, one of them. Remember that guy that got two hole-in-ones yesterday? Yeah. Did it at Ledgeview where Adam Hadwin learned how to play golf. Hadwin, two under par after 18 holes. Another guy who learned at Ledgeview is Nick Taylor. They said they were aiming for the left side. He was two better than his buddy Hadwin. This is a, a putt for Bird. Doesn't go down, but still four under par. Now, if you don't think golf is a dangerous game, watch Bubba Watson here. Watch this Bubba, and there's a thin scrub pine right in his line to the flag. So he's trying to go around this. Whoa! Oh, into it. Oh! Man, he almost caught that one right in the melon. Almost came Just back over his he head. Robert Garrigus is a leader at minus nine. Uh, Marine Drive. That's where the Canadian women's amateur is going on. Dylan Kim is the leader from the United States. This is her approach on 18. She didn't make her birdie, but uh, she is at minus 12. Top Canadian is Vancouver's Tiffany Kong, whose nickname should be Queen. 
Uh, she's ninth at two under par. Final round tomorrow at Marine Drive. And the public is welcome and the admission is free. And should mention the uh, Blue Jays traded pitcher Jay Happ to the Yankees. The Yankees wanted him because he always seems to beat the Red Sox. The Blue Jays get a couple of prospects, Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. There you go. We'll check in with Jay Durant now on a preview of Global News at 11 tonight, Jay. Thank you very much, Chris. Breaking news we're following. Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former lawyer, is claiming Trump knew in advance of a 2016 meeting with Russian officials at the Trump Tower discussing intel on Hillary Clinton that could help his campaign. We'll have more on that. And it's about to get a lot quieter at City Gyms and Pools. The Vancouver Park Board announcing it's shutting off the tunes at 15 of its facilities and two swimming pools. As of August 1st, we'll find out what motivated the decision to do so. We'll have more on those stories when you join us tonight at 11. All right. Thanks very much, Jay. Our series continues on the five best in Metro Vancouver for summer fun. And after the break, the five best outdoor pools. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do this weekend. Kasia? Yeah, almost at that midpoint of summer vacation for the kids. Here are some things you can bring them to. The Fort Langley Jazz and Arts Festival is on this weekend, and it all kicks off with a Mardi Gras parade leading to the main festival. Enjoy a diverse lineup of jazz bands, indulge in local cuisine, and check out the art scene. Tomorrow, bring the kids to a free community celebration and barbecue outside of Port Moody City Hall. That's right, the mayor's inviting locals to enjoy live music, family-friendly activities and food, all in celebration of summer. It's official. Pride is on and begins with a colorful premiere party tomorrow night, circling the Vancouver Art Gallery downtown. Expect food trucks, live entertainment, massive art displays, and a beer garden. Now things are really heating up in North Vancouver with the Caribbean Days Festival. It's the province's biggest celebration of its kind, with tropical rhythms, cuisine, carnival, and culture for everyone to enjoy. Playland, it's always a good time, with or without the kids. If you'd prefer the latter option, it's your last chance to enjoy Playland Nights at the Peony. Tomorrow, from 7 till midnight, it becomes a 19-plus Playland. Guest DJs and axe throwing are some additional features you'll find. For more, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Coming up on ET Canada, Jay Leno's in town and we get his take on Donald Trump and Roseanne Barr. Plus, all the best stunts from all the Mission Impossible movies. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you very much, Carlos. Well, we've been asking our online viewers to vote for their five best in Metro Vancouver and a number of summertime favorites. Tonight, Sonia Diolo. Popular. The best five outdoor pools in the Lower Mainland as voted by you. At number five, South Arm Pool in Richmond. Coming in at four, Maple Grove Pool in Vancouver. New Brighton Pool taking the number three spot. And at number two, Second Beach Pool in Vancouver. And the best outdoor pool in the Lower Mainland as voted by you is... Kitsilano Pool! This huge outdoor heated saltwater swimming pool is right next to the beach and is the longest outdoor pool in North America. My personal pool with a view. <laughs> Gorgeous. Overlooking the ocean, the pool is 137 meters long. By far the best. Like it's, it's com massive compared to like South Arm. One side for serious swimmers. You can get a really good workout 
and the other with a graduated entry so younger kids can get in easily. They have a little slide there and they just go on for hours and hours all day. <laughs> Two bigger slides at the deep end with lifeguards keeping an eye and new this year, water wheelchairs for anyone with mobility issues which you can reserve online. Bring your own picnic. Can I have your little crackers? You want some? Or head to the concession stand just steps away. So doozle, doozy, whatever. Is that quite long? Perfect. The pool's just undergone a $3.5 million renovation and is open from 7 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. on weekdays and from 9 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. on weekends. But get there early because the lineups can be pretty long. This pool is likely one of the best in the world. So slap on the sunscreen, grab a book. Isn't it a little hot under there? Yeah. Do a bit of sunbathing. It's 4 o'clock, I should probably be at work, just kidding. <laughs> Head down to Kitsilano Outdoor Pool for a splash around this summer and discuss the results online using the hashtag Best5. Sonia Diol, Global News. A woozle doozy. Oh, what a Is that what it was? I think so. I've it looks like a that. nice cool treat. So yeah, we'll take uh, it. I, have, you have if I didn't get... know what it was, it would have sounded painful. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to get there early, though, to get a spot on the limited sort of well, deck and grass over there. I... And now we've told everyone that it's the top. Right. Cool. So it's going to be even, even tougher. Harder. Okay, Seth Rogen is the voice of TransLink. I propose bringing in Ryan Reynolds, and then they can do a superhero Skytrain announcer battle Fight or something battle. like that. Because was he Green, green Hornet and Deadpool and Green Lantern? So a lot of green in there. Bring them all in. See if we can get this going. Might be onto something there. Okay, let's start tweeting. I don't know, putting it out on social media. <laughs> well, let's make it work. Yeah. I'm we sure Ryan. Well, sure. Christy knows Ryan. Yeah, well, she got, got him to do the Ronald McDonald. There we go. Stuff. Yeah. Got to get on this train somehow, <laughs> on the Sky Train. All right, we're working on it. Hope you're working on a tan out there right now. Take care. Thanks for watching. Good night.